Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where we talk about the ongoing journey of learning of the IT professional, talking about all the technologies and products and projects that span the full stack of technologies in today's modern data centers and clouds. Uh, My goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning. And we do that by bringing in various guests to talk about uh, career transitions they've made or technologies they've learned or projects they're working on. And uh, joining me today, I have uh, Ned Bellavance. Ned uh, is um, joining us, and he's going to talk about a career transition that he recently made and hopefully can share some practical and real-world information that might help listeners if they're thinking about a similar transition. Ned, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Scott? Doing very well. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So, um, you know, you and I chatted before, uh, you know, we know each other, but for listeners who maybe are hearing your name for the first time, uh, why don't you give them a quick introduction, a little background about, you know, who you are, what you're doing these days, uh, that sort of thing. Okay. I'll give the brief, brief version. So, um, you know, I've been working in IT for roughly 17 years, started as a help desk operator with nothing but an A plus certification to call my own, um, worked my way up through the ranks. These days, I author courses for Pluralsight. I'm the host of two podcasts. Uh, I write content for vendors and and other people and for myself. And I also have a couple books that I'm working on. And I just get to play with technology all day long, which is basically my dream job. Um, I do have a personal philosophy, which now that I say that out loud, sounds a a little uh, over the top. But uh, I have some guiding pillars that I like to use when I'm trying to figure out what to do next or how to approach a situation. And and the three are, number one is embrace discomfort. Discomfort is putting you out of your normal zone of what you do, but that's probably a good thing, especially if you're trying to make a change. The second is to fail often when you do embrace discomfort and move out of your normal zone of operation. You're probably going to fail and fall a few times. That's fine. That's expected. Uh, And then the last one is, sounds a little silly, but it's be nice. Like, just be nice. Be a decent human being. Um, that gets you a lot further than you might think in this world. So that that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Thanks for that, Ned. I actually really, really like the fact that you included be nice in your personal <laughs> philosophy there because I, I tend to agree with that. And it feels like, uh, unfortunately, many people do not. Um, before we get any farther, uh, Ned, if folks are interested in sort of like connecting with you online, finding out what you're doing, where... Uh, Website, Twitter, any of those that you want to share with the listeners? Yes, I do all of those things. Uh, so if you want to find me on Twitter, it's Ned1313. Uh, so that's where I'm probably most active. I do post on LinkedIn, but I don't look to look at LinkedIn all that often. I also have a website. It's nedinthecloud.com. And that has links to everything else that you might want to know about me. So that's probably the easiest place to go. Okay, Perfect. Uh, that sounds great. And so, uh, listeners, if you want to go check out, uh, some of Ned's content, uh, definitely recommend you do that. Uh, now let's, let's jump right into this career transition you made recently, uh, Ned. Now you were talking about been in IT for quite a while, uh, started out, you know, at kind of the very bottom, A plus <laughs> certification, joining the help desk and then working your way up from there. Um, that, that journey alone can probably, will probably resonate with a lot of our, our listeners, who um, I've also spent a number of years in in the IT industry. But um, tell me about what, what was this uh, career transition you made? And uh, and then from there, we can dig into sort of like, you know, what 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 were the motivating factors that drove you there? And, you know, what kept you from doing it at first and that sort of thing? 
Sure, sure. So about six years ago, I made a transition from being a sysadmin to a consultant. And that was a big transition. And we could probably do a whole show about why you might want to go be a consultant, what the benefits are. Uh, But I did that for a little over six years. And then I was kind of getting to the point where consulting is... It's a high-stress uh, environment. You're often being thrown into situations where you have little or no control over what the project is or what the goals are, and then you just kind of have to make things work. And after a while, I think you know you can kind of get tired of that situation. So I decided that I wanted to do something different, but I didn't necessarily know exactly what that thing was going to be. And this is where serendipity kind of plays a role because I thought – well, I've been working as a consultant for a value-added reseller. What if I just go work for one of the vendors that I enjoy working with as a, you know, consultant? So that was my initial idea and I started, you know, looking around, talking to people, asking questions and quickly realized that to work for a vendor at the level and capacity that I was talking about would require a significant amount of travel, which I have three small kids, um my wife works, so the idea of me being away for multiple days a week was not really an option. And then uh, I applied for a different job. I didn't get that job, uh, but it put me down a track of I'm down and out. I'm bummed. What am I going to do next? And someone said, well, you know, you create these courses for Pluralsight because I'd kind of started doing that on the side and you blog. And um, why don't you just think about going into you know, an independent role where you are just doing sort of consulting for yourself. And I was like, is that even possible? Is that something that I could do? Uh, And the answer ultimately was, yes, that is something you can do. Awesome. Okay. So you've been in the industry a while. You've you've been a sysadmin. You switch over to being a consultant. I know what that's like. I was in the bar space (laughs) for a number of years. Um, It's not for everyone, for sure. Um, but you you better be careful about saying we could do a podcast show on that because I might just take you up on that. Um, (laughs) uh, because that itself is a, is a transition, a career transition that people might want to explore. But in any case, oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. yeah, You've been doing this thing as a consultant for a while. And, and so you're like, you know, Hey, I've got, you know, I want to make a change. I'm going to go out on my own and I can totally identify with, you know, like wanting to make sure that travel isn't too excessive because you've got family, you know, and, and family of course is very, very important. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what, what drew you to the idea of working on your own? And then after you get done with that, I want to talk right. about like, what were your biggest concerns going in? <laughs> okay. So, um, I mentioned serendipity and there was another way that serendipity played a role in this. Uh, I'm going to start tripping over that word. That's a hard, that's a hard word to say. Uh, so another way that it played a role was I had saw, seen this tweet uh, from Stephen Foskett saying, anybody who replies to this tweet or DMs me with their address, I will send them peanut brittle. And I was like, I have no idea who this Foskett guy is, but I love peanut brittle. I'll send him my address. We'll see what happens. That set in chain a series of events where I ended up going to Cloud Field Day 3. So let me back that up a little bit. For people who don't know who Stephen Foskett is, he uh, runs Gestalt IT and he also runs the tech field day series of events and tech field day events is a group of influencers, uh, bloggers, consultants, et cetera, that don't work for a vendor. And about 12 of us go to eight or seven or eight vendors for presentations over the course of three days, acting as delegates. And the whole thing is live streamed. 
I'd never heard of this. Well, I'd kind of heard this before, but I was not super aware of it. But he, after I replied to his tweet, he then went and read my blog and said to himself, Ooh, this sounds like an interesting guy. And invited me to cloud field day where I ended up meeting all these other people who are doing what I'm doing now. They were independent influencers and bloggers, and they were making a living off of this. And so while I didn't immediately go, Oh, that's something I could do. It did put plant the seed in my mind. And when I was ready to think about making that transition for real, I now had a group of people to ping with questions. Should I do this? Shouldn't I? What approach did you take? How did you decide to make that transition? The whole thing seems inevitable now, but realistically, about a year ago, this could have gone in a hundred different directions. Uh, and it was just a random series of events that pushed me in the direction that ended up being the best possible career for me right now. It's so funny how uh, I'm, I'm familiar with Stephen's uh, peanut brittle uh, sort of thing. <laughs> and, um, uh, and it's just, it's so funny to me that, you know, a tweet about peanut brittle led to uh, a career transition, but I guess that's sort of the way things work, right? Sort of the way of the world in terms of being introduced to people and then, and those people being introduced, introducing you to other people and other events and so on and so forth. Um, how funny is that? And I, yeah, I've known Stephen for a while. In fact, I was a, a presenter at the very first ever tech field day. Wow. Um, okay. So Going back like yeah. quite some time. Like, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. It was 2011, I believe something like that anyway. Yeah. But I digress. So, uh, <laughs> so you, you got to introduce this, this community and you thought, Hey, this is actually, uh, you know, this is like a, a potential thing. Like I could actually do this. Right. And, and it appeals to you. What held you back from making the transition? Um, so, I mean, obviously there are some big concerns when you decide to step out on your own, hang your own shingle as it were. Um, and probably the one that jumps to most people's mind immediately is money. Right. I'm working a steady job now. I have a steady paycheck. My employer takes care of my health insurance. They take care of all the taxes. Uh, taxes are a big pain. Um, and they also make sure that I have work to do for the most part. So if I want to go out on my own, now I'm responsible for managing all that, all of those finances and also finding my own work. I don't necessarily have a sales team anymore that's going out and closing deals and you know bringing in projects. I'd started to see that side of it a little bit because in my role as a consultant, I'd been moving into the pre-sales area of things where I was going out to those initial meetings and helping you know, build a pipeline and sell uh, product solutions and services. But now I was going to be responsible for doing that for just myself. So it was actually going to have to be the sales and marketing and the finance department and the accounting department, as well as the actual delivery department for any project. So that seemed, um, that was a lot of stuff to wrap my brain around. And, and so I had to really sit down and think hard about it for a while. So I mentioned that this whole started about a year ago, and that's about accurate. I, I'd say late September, early October is when I decided that I wanted to do this. And then I started planning. And I didn't actually make the transition until May of, of this year. So, I mean, was that six months later or so? Uh, a little bit more because I was like, these are the things I need to study up on. These are the things that I need to have in place. I need to be able to build up a pipeline that I know is sustainable for me so we don't have to worry about things financially. Um, and just 
any other bits and pieces that kind of worked their way in. And also I had to wind down work in a way that wasn't going to burn any bridges. I mean, getting back to that whole be nice, like you don't want to leave your job in a, in a bad way, because even if you never work for that company again, the people that you worked for are going to talk about you and you would like them to talk in a positive way. And if you need help with something, you'd like to be able to go back to them to ask for that. Um, so that was, yeah, my biggest concern was mostly around managing finances and pipeline of, of work coming in. That makes a lot of sense. And I can, I can identify with that, um, Back in 2001, I went out on my own for for a number of years, and same same sort of concerns managing the the, the aspects of, of having a business. You know, we started out from the very beginning being an, uh, an S corp, um, and you know, dealing with bookkeeping and and pipeline you know, demand generation and work, and then actually doing the delivery and payroll and taxes and <laughs> blah 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 blah, uh, which I saw that you went into some detail on in your three month uh, update uh, <laughs> post and and listeners I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can go check out Ned's update as of three months where he's talking about some of these things. Um, I want to just very very briefly just kind of call out something that that you said earlier and then then I'm going to transition into talking about sort of like what has served you well and 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 where did you really need to pick up some new skills but before mm-hmm. we get there, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, like this has led you into the right job for you right now. And I think that's an important thing to pull out because I wouldn't trade the five years that I spent working on my own for anything else. But at the same time, I also learned out of that time that that's not the long-term thing of what I wanted, right? Like I learned a lot and it was great and I enjoyed it and I, I wouldn't want to give it up. But at the same time, it was also... There was a time when it, when it became no longer the right thing for me. And I'm not at all suggesting that's the case for you, but rather kind of pointing out to listeners that I think there's going to be a time when it will be the right time and that, and that there may come a time when it won't be the right thing, right? Um, and you may have to transition into something else. And I'm just curious what, you, what, what your thoughts on that were. That's funny. I, in my like notes, I have a thing that says there's endless opportunity out there that isn't just being a sysadmin. But if you're happy being a sysadmin, that's okay too. There's no one path and no one says you have to choose just one. So that's almost what you said. Uh, uh, Basically, yes, there was a period of time where I was a happy sysadmin and I did that for a number of years. But there came a point where I was ready for something different. And at first I thought I was just ready for a different place. So, you know, I went to a new organization and I worked there for two years and was starting to realize it wasn't just the place. I'm just not, this is not the role I want to be in. And along came one of my friends who had started working for a consulting group and said, hey, why don't you come over and work with me? You know, uh, there's an opportunity to learn a lot as a consultant and really, you know, broaden your horizons and see what's out there. And I said, all right, that sounds good. I'm ready for something different. Let me try that. And it was a good fit for, like I said, six years. Perfect fit. Worked for me. And then towards the end of that six years, it was not a good fit anymore. And I tried moving around a little bit within the organization I was at, but then ultimately decided I need to go somewhere new. And that somewhere new ended up being just me at home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I, I think a key takeaway here, <clears throat> listeners, is that... Um, you know, over the course of your career, you're going to progress. That's what this podcast is all about. It's all about growth and change and making sure that you are prepared for that. You know, that saying the only constant is change is, is accurate in <laughs> IT, I think, perhaps more so than many other industries. But 
but also recognizing that, you know, as, as uh, I get on here and talk with guests like Ned who have made career transitions, or we talked with uh, Yasmin Rajabi uh, in the last episode about switching from a technical role into product management, um, you know, you're going to find that different, different roles are going to fit you better or worse over time. And uh, the best thing to do is sort of, you know, just make sure that you're continuously evaluating that, continually preparing yourself for that, for that change. I have this, it's kind of um, serendipitous to use your term, Ned. <laughs> I, I have this um, wallpaper on my desktop right at this moment. Um, and there's a phrase that I use to remind myself. And the phrase says, we have to be continually jumping off cliffs and developing our wings on the way down. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So uh, let's transition a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit, Ned, like you, you had a career as a sysadmin, you switched into consulting, um, you did some pre-sales, you know, delivery work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, out of that experience, what skills have served you well in this new role of, you know, generating content and, and, and that sort of thing, um, working for yourself? What, what did you find like, Hey, this prepared me really well for, for what I'm doing now. You know, it, it's funny because a lot of the skills that have really enabled me to generate good content and sort of get ahead of the curve a little bit have all been non-IT skills that I've picked up for different reasons. Um, so let me give a few examples. Uh, one, uh, after I graduated college, um, I went and got my MBA. And I did that because I thought that the next part of my career path in IT was I would end up being a manager of some kind responsible for a business unit um, because that's what my boss did. And I was like, Ooh, well, that seems like a valid path. So I'll go out and get my MBA so that I'm prepared to handle the uh, business unit and those managerial responsibilities. That never happened. But I did collect these business skills that are now turning out to be extremely useful as an independent consultant. Another one was back in 2006, I started, and this was like the beginning of podcasts, I started a music podcast just for fun. I was like, I love music and I want to do a podcast about the music I love. And it only lasted for about 13 episodes, which is not a huge run by any means. But it did teach me some skills and fundamentals about podcasting, um, how you publish a podcast feed, how do you record one, how do you write a script, like all of those kinds of things, which now that I have two podcasts that I run... Um, those have turned out to be extremely important. Um, same thing with being able to manipulate audio. Uh, I was in a number of bands in high school and college, and that kind of taught me about how to handle a microphone, how to mix a board, you know, how to record. I was never great at it, but it's like random things that I learned from that. And then finally, uh, a lot of what I do is writing. Honestly, I write a few thousand words every day. And I took a lot of creative writing courses in high school and college, even though I was a comp sci major. And uh, that has actually served me tremendously in this role. So there's a whole bunch of non-IT skills out there that you may think are totally useless right now, but at some point later, they're going to become extremely useful depending on where your career takes you. Um, obviously, some of them are IT skills. You know, just the years of being a sysadmin and a consultant is as I approach new technologies, I can approach them with a critical eye and I understand the underlying components of a technology. And I can ask, you know, some somewhat intelligent questions to the people who make it so I can write something that's worthwhile reading. Um, so, I mean, that comes in helpful. Uh, a few other skills that I think are just life skills that would be useful, especially if you're going to go into an independent consulting role. Um, 
number one is being curious. Like I'm just a naturally curious individual. I'm always, you know, taking things apart or curious, how does this work or reading about something? Um, and that's just always been me. Um, I'm pretty internally motivated, but it's because I'm doing something I enjoy. Um, I read a book recently that talked about internal motivation versus external motivation. If you're internally motivated, you want to do it for you because you're interested. If you're externally motivated, somebody else is trying to get you to do something. And generally, internal motivation is way more powerful and you usually do a better job on. So I would recommend if you're going to do something, find a way to be internally motivated about it. Um, Another thing is just like knowing yourself and what you tend to do. You don't necessarily have to change that, but you have to mold your work around the way that you work. So just knowing that I tend to procrastinate on things. So I need to set deadlines that are maybe a little ahead of what it's actually due and then force myself to hit that deadline means I'll actually get something done. And I just know that about myself. It's not a character trait I'm ever going to change. So I just kind of have to adapt to it, which sounds weird, but it totally works. Um, and then the, the last skill is, is honestly, I'm going to go back to this. It's being nice, like talking to people and asking for things, but doing it in a nice way and being respectful. Um, I think that's a huge underrated skill that actually gets you a lot further, uh, when it comes to networking and knowing people and getting someone to give you a warm introduction to somebody else. If you're a jerk, they're not going to want to do that because they are now vouching for you. But if you're a nice person who's easy to get along with and you ask for a warm introduction to another person, the person will be like, yeah, of course, I'd, I'd love to introduce you because I think you're a good person and I want, you know, good people to interact with each other. Uh, so those are some of the skills that, that I think have really helped me make this transition well. Awesome. Thanks, Ned. You know, your story about <clears throat> picking up, you know, sort of odds and ends here and there, you know, working with audio or, you know, experimenting with a podcast early in, in the early days, that sort of thing, sort of leads me back to uh, a really long time ago when I was in high school, probably, you know, farther back than, you know, the average age of my listeners. But um <laughs> And I took a typing class and people were like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> right? Like, why did you, why did you take a typing class? And, um, best investment of my time I ever made. Like, oh yeah. You know, uh, and I, I mean, it's, it seems obvious now, right. After, after landing a career in it that, you know, knowing how to type and, and type quickly and effectively is, is obviously a good skill. But man, I tell you, so many people that I know have struggled with it because they didn't learn and, so, yeah, little things like that um, often uh, can have a significant impact later in your career if you don't realize it. So uh, it's good to mm -hmm. keep an eye out for that sort of thing. Um, now, the, the flip side of this uh, conversation, Ned, is what skills did you lack um, that you have found you needed to pick up in order to be if effective? And obviously, being effective is still an ongoing discovery process since you're relatively, you know, into this. I think we're not even, yeah, we haven't gotten the second quarter yet. So you're still, still <laughs> yeah. in the first six months. Right. But, but, um, what have you found thus far to be like, Oh, I really needed to learn, you know, blah, blah, or blah. Huh, yeah. There's a few that, that come to mind. Um, one and you know, I, I mentioned that I got my MBA and I used some of those skills, but honestly that was back in 2009 uh, so that was 10 years ago. I needed to do a business refresher on how a small business actually works because there was a time I had a fairly good handle on that, but that time had passed. Uh, so I actually had to kind of just buckle down and, and study up on 
different structures for a company, different ways to function, cash flow, keeping a balance sheet, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, fortunately, there's a lot of software tools to help you. And obviously, since we're in technology, we generally like those. Though I will say Excel is also awesome. Um, the long story short is for a lot of it, just hire an accountant. You'll end up saving money by hiring an accountant, money that you would spend being non-productive while you try to figure out finances. Uh, so unless you're really good with finances to start with, just hire an accountant and say done. Um, but the other business components that aren't that you know, payroll and taxes, um, that was more just, you know, okay, I got to build up a sheet that has my pipeline and track that pipeline. Um, and that sort of leads into task organization. Um, I've never been the world's most organized person. I try, I go through spurts where I'm like, Oh, I'm super organized. And then if I make anything too complicated for myself, I will stop doing it. And that's getting back to that kind of like knowing yourself thing. Um, Task organization and time management is something I've always struggled with, and I'm still trying to find the right tool for that. So if anybody wants to recommend a tool, go for it. I've gone through about six since I started this gig, and each one I find has something I don't like about it or that there's some friction there that makes me stop using it. Uh, the thing that has stuck the longest, honestly, is just a OneNote that I keep that has bullet points on it, and when I finish something, I cross it out, and that sounds ridiculously low tech. Uh, it's like I should just have a notepad by my desk, but honestly, that's the thing that takes the least amount of effort. Um, so task organization is still a challenge. Um, aside from that, I think it's just learning how to pitch yourself, because that is a super awkward thing. Um, most of us are pretty self-deprecating when it comes to IT. Uh, we don't like to you know, talk about how awesome we are. That's super uncomfortable. Um, but when you are pitching yourself to a potential client or trying to convince someone that you're good enough to pay money to, uh, you have to do that. You have to show them that you have value and there's a reason why they should spend money with you. Uh, by the same token, pricing yourself and pricing things has been a challenge, like figuring out how much should I charge for a thing? And that's, I guess that's a problem for any business, right? But uh, especially for something as ephemer ephemeral as uh, a blog post or just advice, how much should someone pay me to give them advice? Uh, so there are a couple stories that I continually think about when I'm when I'm working on that. One is there's this apocryphal story. I mean, it's probably not true, but it, it makes for a good tale that Pablo Picasso in his elder years was sitting in a cafe uh, scribbling out some ideas on a napkin and he got up to go throw, to leave the restaurant and he threw the napkin in the trash can and the, well, I guess he was about to throw it away. And the woman said, Ooh, can I have that? Cause she recognized him and was like, it would be great to have like a napkin with Pablo Picasso scratching on. It. And he said, yes, that will be $25,000. And the woman was like, but you were going to throw that out. And it only took you five minutes to draw. And he said, no, it took me, you know, 60 years to learn how to draw this well to be on one napkin. So if this is valuable to you, you have to show that. And it's it's kind of the same with uh, consulting. Obviously, I'm no Pablo Picasso, but I have to think about what the value is and what value I'm communicating when I'm pricing something out. So I know that's not super uh, techie. That's, that's kind of very businessy, but Honestly, most of the things that I've had to learn in this process and the things I've had to skill up have nothing to do with technology at all. And it's all business and, uh, and operational kind of stuff. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting that when I started, 
But now that I'm deep in it, in it, it seems like it should have been obvious from the start. Yeah, I think the common thing that as IT professionals we tend to do is we tend to separate ourselves from the business because, oh, well, I do technology, right? <laughs> and we need to be reminded that we do technology for a purpose, and that purpose isn't generally technology in and of itself, but is it is to to help our business accomplish something else, whether it's, you know, making widgets or installing tires or, you know, creating, you know, beautiful works of art via computer rendering, whatever, uh, you know, our <laughs> technology exists to serve some other purpose. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so I think that, you know, you pointing out that a lot of the skills that you've had to pick up have been business related is a really important takeaway for listeners because it reminds, uh, it reminds us all that whether we are, you're working in a, in a corporate role for, for somebody else or whether we are working for ourselves, either way, there's business involved. And for us to be effective, we need to understand how what we do affects that business. You know, it's a little more obvious when you're working for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but there, but that link exists, whether you are you know out on your own um, or whether mm-hmm. you are, you know, one, one member of a, you know, multi-thousand person, you know, multinational corporation. Uh, either way, yeah. every, every, everything that we do as technologists has an impact on, on the business. I, I wanted to, to kind of go back to something that you, you said, and that was um, about just get an accountant, right? Because you're going to save money. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think this may be something that may not be immediately intuitive to, to listeners. And that is that, you know, when you are working for yourself, right? every moment that you spend not doing billable work is essentially money lost. And, right. um, you know, that's, uh, that's a sort of a mind shift. I think that perhaps you wouldn't normally see as a individual contributor, even as a manager within a corporation, but, but it is something I think important that if you are thinking about going out on your own, you have to do think about, you know, like, Hey, I can either spend 40 hours generating money or I can spend, you know, 30 hours generating money and 10 hours doing stuff that doesn't really like make any money. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. You could figure it out yourself. I mean, you know, generally speaking, we're all fairly intelligent people. We can figure this stuff out, but is it worthwhile to figure it out when you consider what you could be doing instead of spending that time working it out? So that's, It's not something I had to consider before when I was a consultant. Well, I did a little bit because I was a billable resource. So I always kind of had it in my mind that time is money. And if I'm not doing work for a client, I'm not working, I'm not generating revenue for the company. So I guess it was kind of a little different because as a consultant, that was in my head to a certain degree. And I was incentivized to keep that in mind. Uh, So it didn't seem as big of a transition. But, uh, you know, I, I spoke about that transition from sysadmin to consultant, that was one of the things I had to learn. Um, and if I had just gone straight from sysadmin to an independent, that would have been a huge culture shock and something that I was was not thinking about at all back then. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of folks in the consulting business um, or you know professional services, depending on how you want to look at it, do have that that or already sort of in the back of their mind, you know, like, hey, I need to be, you know, billable a certain percentage, whatever. Um, so right. it helps, but yeah, for those folks who are working as a, you know, as a sysadmin or you know, a storage admin or you know whatever the case may be, and they're not being 
asked to track their billable time. That's, uh, that's an important thing to consider and, and part of the mindset. Um, so I, I, I won't open the uh, can of worms that is productivity tools because um, I am a productivity tool nerd. And if you followed my own kind of exploration of, of productivity, you know, I've gone a whole bunch of different routes. But I will say that uh, uh, I really, really like the idea, and this is something I've blogged about before as well, of, of, of keeping the friction as low as possible, right? So many times we as we seek to improve ourselves or to change some aspect of, of who or what we are, we, we try to be very ambitious and we say, Hey, I'm going to embark on this just enormous project, uh, you know, the, or this, this you know, enormous journey of self-learning or self-improvement, whatever it's going to be. And uh, we don't think about sort of the, the mental cost of reminding ourselves, Oh, I don't need to go do this. Oh, I need to go do this. Oh, I need to go do this. And so we, we introduce artificial friction points, which then cause us, as you pointed out, to just stop doing this after a while, right? Rather than it becoming part of, of what we do. And so the idea of just, you know, like I actually have a very similar setup where I have a plain text file that I store and I keep it synced among all of my various devices. And, and that's what I use to track uh, my projects. And I do use some other tools as well. And I'm sure you do also. But yeah, that super simple approach sometimes just makes a lot of sense and it keeps the friction low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just a party of one. I don't need all the bells and whistles. I just need to remember that I had to do a thing and then do that thing. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit before we start to wrap things up. And that is wondering if you could share with us two unexpected uh, results from your transition. One positive, <laughs> one negative. Uh, sure. Something that came out of this transition that you were like, oh, wow, I, I didn't foresee that or I didn't expect that or whatever. Just, uh, you know, sort of like giving, giving listeners a little more color and sort of what they might expect if they are thinking about something like this for themselves. Sure. Okay. So um, one is not entirely unexpected, but the degree to which it's true was unexpected. My stress level now is so much lower, so much lower than before. Uh, and that is mostly down to the fact that in the run-up to going independent, I was basically working two jobs. I had my day job that I would work, you know, during the day. And then every, almost every night I would sit down in front of the computer and work on some side project that was part of my grand design to go independent. And so I was super stressed carrying the weight of two jobs all the time. And now that I've gone independent and I can set my hours my stress level has just gone through the floor. It's it's fantastic. I'm enjoying being around my family more. I think they enjoyed being around me more. Um, so that that was an unexpected result in degree. I was like, I knew I was going to be less stressed, but I was not realizing how much less stressed. And I've had multiple people comment on how relaxed I seem since I made the transition. And I was like, wow, was I that tense before? I guess I was. The other, so that's a, that's a huge positive, right? That's, that's my big positive. Um, the negative one is that I am struggling with the social aspect of working for yourself a little bit. I'm struggling a little bit with, uh, loneliness, I would say, um, as much as, uh, you know, so a lot of us are somewhat introverts. I'm kind of a mix of both and I do need a certain amount of social contact through the week. And working at an office at least, you know, three or four days out of the week, I was getting that social interaction, just, you know, walking to the kitchen to get more coffee or standing around someone's cubicle and talking like 
those conversations, you don't realize how much they add to your day and give you something to talk about and think about. Uh, now that I'm removed from that and I'm not constantly walking through an office and, you know, seeing random people and having those, uh, organic conversations, I do feel that I'm missing that a little bit and I'm trying to find ways to compensate for that by interacting with other people through, you know, zoom or Skype or Slack. Uh, but it's not the same. And I think that's just an adjustment that I personally need to make. So I think, I think your point about, you know, uh, adjusting to the social aspect is actually something that is often um, underrepresented in not just transitions into sort of a solo role, like what you've done, but also for folks who were going to an office every day and are now working remote, right? I've mm -hmm. been remote for um, nine years now, right? Working from home office. Um, now I, I travel a lot and I meet with customers and, and that sort of thing. So there is, there is that, but then there are also those stretches where, you know, I, I might be home for, you know, six or eight weeks or whatever it is because of the way projects line up, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, yeah, making sure that you have that sort of, that sort of interaction is actually far more important. Even if you do classify yourself as, you know, Hey, I am the classic introvert and I don't like to go out and meet new people. You still need that interaction <laughs> and that interaction actually, um, at least what I have found, and, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but that interaction often does sort of spark a, um, something in you like, oh, that's a good idea. I could, I could expand upon that or, oh, that's, that's a different aspect of different way of looking at something that I could, um, you know, I could use that or something of that nature. Things that we wouldn't have necessarily thought about on our own often come out of conversations, whether it's ca casual conversations by the water cooler, so to speak, or whether it's, you know, uh, something else, right? Things that we often don't get when we are working either on our own uh, for ourselves, like you are, or working remotely and, and, and dealing with people via email and, you know, Slack and, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's been your experience thus far as well. Like that, that sort of additional insight is very useful. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, that interaction with other people, uh, there's, there's this concept in programming called rubber duck debugging. And the idea is when you're stuck on a tricky problem or you can't figure your way out, explain it in detail to something. And that something could be a rubber duck on your desk. And just the process of having to explain it to somebody else helps you sort of unwind to the problem and maybe see it in a new way. Um, I think, you know, obviously it's one thing to talk to an inanimate object that's not going to give you any feedback, but it's even better if it's a person because then they can actually consider what you're saying and give you real feedback about things. So, you know, if I'm looking for a new project or I'm thinking about a new thing, I need to go talk to somebody about it. I can't just do that, you know, by myself, uh, in a dark room, um, you know, cause I'm going to miss things. I'm not going to think about different aspects of a problem and talking to somebody else gives that additional perspective and insight that I might be missing. Uh, and it's, I find that it's best to do it in person. So one thing that I've actually started doing is I try to have breakfast with someone or lunch at least once a week, someone that I know, whether it's someone I worked with or just someone that I know personally, and just that, you know, hour that I spend having breakfast or lunch with that person really helps with the thinking about things and also just the social aspect of not being cooped up in my house all the time. So that's, that's my coping mechanism so far. And it, it does seem to be working. Excellent. That's good. That's very good. At some point I'll have to, going back to your rubber, rubber duck, uh, you know, idea, I'll have to share a story about 
uh, debugging Kubernetes on Oracle Cloud using sugar packets. Um, but that, that's a, a different discussion for a different day. Um, Fair okay, so now we're going to wrap up uh, with a really, really hard question, and that is, if you had only one piece of advice for listeners who may be thinking about doing the same thing you did, what would that be? Don't be afraid to fail, but have a plan B. So don't be afraid to fail. You're, you're going to fail at something, and you know the first time you try to do something new, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be awful, and you might not fail the project as a whole, but there are going to be several failures on the path. It reminds me of if you've ever worked in like a, a CI/CD pipeline where you know things are building, and you're hoping to see all green checks because it's all building perfectly, uh, but the first 80 times you run that thing, there's going to be red. It's going to be a sea of red. And that's failure. And that's fine because every time you fail, you're figuring out something new. And eventually, all of the lights will turn green. And then they'll be red a little bit again. But, I mean, that's a different story. The, the point is, don't be afraid to fail the first time because it's going to happen. But also, plan for that failure. Have a plan B. So if this doesn't work out, what are my options? What could I do differently, uh, whether it's, reconfiguring the existing business or just saying, okay, this didn't work out. I'm going to go back to my old job or I'm going to go talk to this person who, you know, expressed some interest in, you know, hiring me. Always, always have a plan B of some kind. Um, and just remember that failure doesn't make you personally a failure, uh, except if you fail to try. Very profound, sir. <laughs> but but very, accurate. <laughs> very accurate. Very um, accurate. Uh, we we talk a lot in technology about you know preparing for failure you know planning for failure right um, especially when you get into the whole cloud native world where I spend my days you know embracing failure you know even causing failure in in in, in certain instances so that you can make sure that you are addressing that failure appropriately and and in a resilient manner so on and so forth but to take that sort of idea and apply it um, to your career and recognize that failure is going to happen. Um, and that doesn't mean that it's the end. It just means that, you know, something needs to change and it's okay. Um, so yeah. uh, ex excellent piece of advice. Good job. Um, Thanks. All right. So uh, we're reaching uh, the end of our time together, uh, which is unfortunate because I very much enjoyed our conversation. Uh, so thanks again for being on the show. I think that the conversation you and I have had regarding considering whether uh, you want to strike out on your own and sort of the lessons learned and skills that translated well and, and things that I had to learn and that sort of thing. I think that is uh, going to be very useful for listeners who may be trying to evaluate, you know, is this the right thing for me right now? Um, going back to our discussion about, you know, kind of change and, and how that happens over the course of our careers. And uh, so I really appreciate you being able to share some very practical and very real world um, ideas and thoughts with uh, listeners. Um, as we wrap up, Ned, would you please share again your contact information so that listeners can connect with you online? And who knows, maybe some business will come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to. Um, so you can always just go to my website, nedinthecloud.com. That's the, where you can find all my links to podcasts and Twitter. Uh, if you're curious about a podcast that I run, I run Day 2 Cloud, which is also part of the Packet Pushers family of podcasts. So uh, on that podcast, we deal with the realities of running cloud on Day 2 and beyond. So I you know, recommend going checking that out. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's Ned1313. Um, and 
if you're interested in learning more uh, about uh, some topics, I do author courses on Pluralsight. So you can check me out uh, on that my author page there as well. Perfect. Thanks, Ned. Listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I hope that um, this show is uh, useful to you, that uh, you can find a few nuggets to take away and apply to your own life and your own career and and how you're approaching that. Um, As always, uh, we uh, are very, very grateful for your time. And if you uh, have the opportunity to uh, provide some feedback on iTunes or via whatever platform you manage to find the Full Stack Journey, we would certainly uh, appreciate that. Spread the word. Um, We want to reach as many people as we can with uh, this sort of practical information that we focus on, 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 you know, uh, maybe even we call it, you know, day two of your career, if I could riff off of Ned's, uh, <laughs> you know, day two cloud podcast, right? But um, uh, again, uh, you know, feedback is always welcome. If you want to reach uh, me, uh, Scott Lowe, your host, you can do so on Twitter at Scott underscore Lowe. You can hit the podcast, uh, which has its own Twitter account at FSJ Podcast, also on Twitter. And as always, um, you know, episodes of uh, the Full Stack Journey are published Uh, via the Packet Pushers website at packetpushers.net. So thanks so much for joining us and have a great one. 